An old book. A book about witchcraft. You're listening to the Whitewood Podcast, a show about mystery schools, the occult, and witchcraft. Would you like to have a look around? Why have you come to Whitewood? Well, because I'm interested in witchcraft. I'm your host, Nate. Come with us as we delve into the history, techniques, and backstories of these traditions and the people who practice them. Welcome back to the Whitewood Podcast. My name is Nate Driscoll, and in this episode, we're going to kind of divert a little bit from our usual topic because this is a skill that I believe leads into magic quite a bit. So in this episode, we're not necessarily talking about a specific magical technique, although there is a lot of overlap. Anytime that we find powerful tools and ways to manipulate our own psychology, to utilize uh, the, the tools of our bodies, of our minds in a more straightforward and powerful way, uh, we definitely lump that into things that are valuable for us going about our lives, expressing our will in the universe. And um, it's definitely something that a lot of people within the occult community are going to have a lot of interest in. Uh, another reason why we're diverting is because this particular thing ties into doing magic in a lot of ways where you might have uh, some ritual that's old and long and complicated or maybe you're doing a group working and there's like you know a lot riding on you doing your part in order to make sure that you remember it all Uh, so what we're going to be talking about this week is actually memory memorization uh, developing the skills and techniques that are uh, going to enable you to have, in some cases, depending on which technique we're practicing, you could literally develop a, a, a photographic-like memory for certain types of information. Um, there are also just um, a couple of tips and tricks in here that are going to help with just regular memorization uh, that aren't quite as drastic, but still have a place in understanding how to go about doing stuff. Um, and I, I really hope that people appreciate this episode for what it is, because when we have these types of techniques, we can learn how to learn. And so this can affect not just your magical practice, but also if you're in school, it can definitely affect school. Uh, if you're just going to the grocery store to grab a couple of things, it can affect your daily life. And uh, one of the downsides to the education I received when I went through both grade, well, all three, grade school, high school, and um, I also went to college, never in any of those years of education. So figure that's K through 12. So that's what? K is a zero, I believe. So yeah, so that's 13 years of education plus the four for college. So it's 17 years of education. And never once did anyone bring this up to me. And there are a couple things in here that definitely got brought up. And I definitely don't mean that. But we are going to kind of go back over those things. But no one taught me how to learn. They taught me what to learn. And I always thought that that was a vast waste of education. To uh, say, hey, here are the ten topics I'd like you to learn. I want you to learn mathematics. I want you to learn history. I want you to learn. Here's what you should learn. But then nowhere in that entire education does somebody say, hey... 
you know, your brain is really weird, and sometimes it doesn't want to grab onto information, and it's more difficult to memorize these types of things than it is to memorize those types of things. And it can be really frustrating to be able to memorize these things so you can regurgitate them on a test and, uh, you know, figure it out. And they never, they never like, sit you down and, and explain how your brain functions and how memorization works and some tips and tricks on how to memorize, which to me is a giant waste because if we're going to educate everybody and, you know, spend some time teaching people how to do things, we should teach them how to learn how to do things, how to make memorization, how to make learning as pain-free as possible, empower them in that. And then it's great because, you know, they'll score higher on their tests. And so we look great to the, you know, whatever organization is paying us. That's awesome. But then there's the other side of it, that we've enabled these individuals to learn throughout their entire life, whatever topic that they come across. Then it's not just about the mathematics we taught them. Then it's about what about the five years that you're still interested in learning new things that happens directly after school. Hopefully, it's much more than five years. Hopefully, it's a lifelong goal to learn new skills, new ideas, uh, and to constantly express that growth. But if nothing else, the day you get out of college, what do you learn? Do you just stop? Does the machine shut down? Or are you now enabled to think deeper, to learn deeper, and those kinds of things? So I think that memorization is incredibly important um, for that, for, for the way that it will impact your life. But man, does it overlap into ritual? Because there are so many times where I have this long list of words that are all in, you know, Latin or Greek or Hebrew or those kinds of things, and I have to memorize them. And um, it can be overwhelming sometimes. Or maybe there's a specific ritual that I'm doing where I have to remember a bunch of different body postures. Maybe I have to bring my arm up in this weird position and then I have to join my hands above and then you know and after 15 or 17 gestures it starts to be kind of co complicated to remember all these things and, oh man did i already do that one or no that one comes up next and then once you get it all down now you're adding this extra layer of your psychology and trying to hold a specific symbol into your mind while you're in that posture and that becomes complicated because which posture relates to which thing those kind of things. So it definitely can become very, very important in ritual magic. But hopefully this is one of the episodes that can affect every aspect of your life instead of just ritual magic. Although I do believe that ritual magic will affect every aspect of your life if you're doing it uh, regularly. Um, but I think you get my point. So uh, by the end of this episode, my goal is to have taught you a couple of things that... Uh, I, First off, I want to make sure we touch on some of the important ones that do get taught in most education systems and talk about their value and how to get the most out of them. There's, uh, for example, flashcards. You know, flashcards, people will say, hey, use flashcards, but then they won't teach you how to use flashcards effectively in order to get the most out of that method of learning, right? Um, so that's one thing I'd like to touch on is some of the stuff you probably already know. We'd also like to touch on some stuff that you don't already know, hopefully. Hopefully we're learning things every time we turn on the podcast. Uh, that will work as soon as you learn them. As soon as I say, hey, do it this way, I want that f switch to flip in your brain and you suddenly to be able to utilize that tool. And then there's this third thing that we're going to talk about today, which is memorization tricks that are going to take some work 
but they're going to work once you've flushed them out. So that's going to be the most powerful tools are going to be in that category. Um, this is definitely coming from my own personal experience with them. So I want to make sure that everybody knows that this is not an episode where I read one time and it was, oh, I read about that. That's kind of interesting. I, I should talk about that on the podcast. It's very much more, I read about it. I applied it into my life. I found that it was a powerful tool. I sorted through the ones that I felt like were too complicated and I threw those to the side and I didn't present them to you guys. And now I'm passing those on because they were successful and powerful tools for me. So these are coming from personal experience. There are a couple of methods in here that are gonna take time to build up the framework. And by the end of the episode, you'll understand how to build the framework in your mind, but you won't yet be able to utilize the tool. So we're gonna, so just to recap, we're gonna talk about ones you already know, ones that you don't know that are going to work by the end of the episode, and ones that are gonna take some work over the next month or so if you put in the time, but they're very, very potent and powerful and I want you to succeed with them. So hopefully that all becomes a, a solid framework for your mind on a regular basis. By the end of this episode, um, you'll have the framework to be able to memorize an entire deck of cards. And this is a thing that I used to do on a regular basis is you take a deck of cards, you have somebody shuffle it. Um, this is one of those techniques where you are going to have to put in work, but it, it'll pay off in the end. Uh, you have somebody shuffle a deck of cards. They hold the deck in front of you. They hold up a card or you go through the cards one by one. You place them into your memory and then you set the deck down and you have your friend pick up a card and you tell him what card it is and then he goes through in order all the way through the entire deck and you remember every single one of those cards but not only memorize them in that way because this is going to work so well in your memory that you'll be able to play games with how you recite the information so you won't just remember an entire deck of cards you'll remember the entire deck of cards backwards if you want. Or they could cut the deck, and as long as they're not reshuffling the order of them, they could cut the deck, look at a card and say, hey, the card that I pulled is this. What is the card after it? And you'll be able to tell them the card after it, and the card after that, and the card after that. You'll be able to do crazy stuff like maybe every other card, you know? Maybe they take uh, every card and put it in one pile and every card and put it in the other pile. And then you could read off what both those piles are, as long as the order is still consistent. You should be able to do that. Not only that, you could do that backwards. You could put everything into two piles and read each one of those backwards or skip every other or skip every three or those kinds of things. So when we're talking about developing the framework for a near photographic memory, we're saying that with enough work, you will be able to do this. I have done it myself. It's a very powerful and interesting thing. Uh, it is also a lot of fun just at a drinking party, man. You know, like if you're just like having a little wine get together and everybody's having a good time, it's a hilarious, fun thing for the whole room to engage in. And uh, it takes a little bit of practice. But if you were to sit down and spend your free time instead of scrolling Facebook or watching Netflix or, you know, if you were to like really spend whatever your free time is, whatever hour or two hours you get throughout the day, or maybe you're lucky and you have five hours to devote to something. I, I, I am strongly suggesting that by the end of the week, you could have this down and that uh, 
that applies to everyone, that it's not just applying to those who are skilled at it. There are going to be people who are so skilled at this, they're going to pick it up instantly like any other thing. Um, if you're not skilled at this and you put in a week's worth, we'll have you memorizing decks of cards like that. Um, but, I mean, what's really the value of that, right? Like, well, it's fun. It's a cool party trick. But if you develop those types of tools, then you can utilize them in ways that are benefiting your life a lot better than just memorizing a deck of cards. Um, I remember one time I was in an office situation. My career was uh, affected by the fact that I could do this. And we were just kind of playing a... Uh, I work in an industry, I work in technology where uh, intellectuals definitely have a lot of opportunities thrown their way. You know, the, the individuals who are good problem solvers and who demonstrate that, you know, they're the smart ones in the bunch, they, they have a lot of opportunities thrown their way because we need those types of problem solvers in order to create the types of technologies that we sell, right? And uh, we were in a, it was like a, what do you call it? Like a Christmas party kind of thing. I don't remember what holiday it was. I want to say Christmas, but it might have been a different holiday. Might have been like someone's anniversary or something like that. But uh, like a work anniversary. But uh, so there we are. And we're just playing a game. And the game was, hey, how many can you memorize? And I came into the party a little late. And so they had seen what a regular person can do. And then they were like, hey, jump in this game. Just try to remember as many words out of this list as possible. And I just kind of giggled to myself like, oh, boy, this is about to be a shit show for them. And uh, I turned to my supervisor's supervisor and I said, yeah, I mean, you guys are about to get smoked, dude. I used to memorize decks of cards and he kind of blew it off. Like, oh yeah, sure. Well, no one here has made it past seven. And I set the record on my very first try. And then I set the record on my second try by beating my first record. And throughout the entire game, you know, I just kept memorizing more and more and more. And they, and this was after being rusty for many years. I hadn't really used this technique for a while. And that experience offered me some opportunities in my life because they looked at that like, wow, he's really good. He's, he's got some kind of an aptitude for this. We should, uh, you know, throw those kinds of things his way. Awesome. I, I seized the moment and here I am, you know. So uh, that's just a personal experience of how these kinds of things can really play up. Uh, and we'll talk about some more magic-oriented ones as we get to them. Um, so to start off with some of the super, super basic stuff, the first one I want to talk about is one that you guys have all heard of, and it's just flashcards. How do we utilize flashcards, and how do we get the most out of them? So I think we've all been exposed to flashcards at some point, uh, especially if you've uh, past high school or you're in the midst of high school that's one that gets thrown around in high school quite a bit uh, basically the idea of a flashcard is you go get some card stock usually you can find these kind of things just in the office supply store and let's say you're trying to memorize I don't know 50 things 25 things let's say 50 things and maybe there are I don't know formulas for a math test or maybe they're uh, the definitions of certain words because you're going to have a vocabulary test or Maybe they're uh, different principles that you're trying to remember for a biology test and there's an exam coming up and you want to make sure that you are taking some extra time studying and drilling these ideas into your head. Um, so what you would do is you take these blank card stocks and on one side you would write whatever the prompt is going to be 
and then on the back side you write whatever the answer is going to be. And then you draw them randomly out of this deck and you take a look at the one side and it says something like, what is, I don't know, the Pythagorean theorem. There you go. Let's say we're doing math. What is the Pythagorean theorem? And then you try to remember and you're like, man, it's like A something plus B. Oh, man, I don't fucking remember. And then you look at it. You look at the back and you go, oh yeah, it's A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Okay, I can, I can remember that. And you put it back in the deck and you start drawing cards again. And eventually you get back to that one and it's, you know, Pythagorean theorem. You draw that one again. You look at the front. It says, hey, what's Pythagorean theorem? And you go, oh yeah, it's A squared plus B squared is something. I don't know. And you look at the back. You got a little bit more of it that time around. And, and after you've gone through a bunch of times and put a whole bunch of effort into it, an uncomfortable amount of effort into it, uh, you'll, you'll start to get it. And then you take the deck and you just flip which side you're looking at as the prompt. And you go, okay, well, uh, I'm going to have a card that same, let's say you draw that same card, but now it says A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And you're like, oh, I remember. That's called the Pythagorean theorem. Okay, great. Um, so that's kind of what people are talking about when they talk about flashcards. Now, the thing that people fuck up with flashcards is how they go about it. Um, they grab too many flashcards at a time and they add too many flashcards at a time. If I have 50 things that I want to memorize, I don't want to memorize 50 of them at one time. I want to memorize three of them at one time. I want to take all 50 of them, write them all down, have them in a stack next to me. I'm going to take three of those. I'm going to look at them. Okay, I know what this one is. Awesome. That one's easy to remember. Oh yeah, in relation to this other one, that's easy to remember too. Oh, okay. And it, you only have three of them. You could probably memorize all three of those in the next, I don't know, five minutes and know what's on the front and the back. Awesome. Don't even worry about the 50. Forget about it. You don't have 50 cards. You have three cards. Work on those three until you know them frontwards, backwards. Awesome. It'll take you like three minutes. Then grab two more out of your pile and mix them in. Now you've got five cards you're working with. Okay? I know what you're thinking. How long will it take me to get through all 50? Who cares? doesn't matter. You're going to be much more successful at doing one or two of them at a time and adding them in to the ones that you already know. You're going to build on the ones you already know and just have to remember now two of them. It doesn't take you very long to remember two of them. You already remember the three from a minute ago. You'll speed up the amount of time that flashcards take to memorize things if you do them in tiny, tiny, tiny bunches first instead of large bunches. And then uh, that becomes a much more versatile and useful tool. Because trying to memorize 50, your brain gets overwhelmed. It starts mixing the different concepts together. It starts going, oh, man, there's like three or four cards that all have like C squared in them. And I, I don't remember which one this one is. You don't have to remember which one this one is. You only have three cards. You can easily figure those out in the next, you know, couple of minutes. And then you're just adding one or two, whatever your rate is. There's nothing wrong with that. You will excel at how fast you get that one out of the way. Um, so that's one method. Another method that I heard a lot that had to do with, uh, when I was in high school, I was doing uh, theater and uh, like drama, Shakespeare plays. And uh, I, I also dabbled a little bit backstage. I did like um, some of the set design and stagehand stuff, rigging stuff up in the lights and, all sorts of stuff. Did a lot of different, a lot of different stuff that had to do with theater and the stage. And uh, I think personally, I was inspired by my parents. My family have often been involved in 
stagecraft, whether they only did it for a couple of years or whether they uh, stuck with it for their, their entire career. Uh, just about every member of my father's family um, had something to do with Broadway and musicals and the stage and those kind of things. And most of us were backstage. That's usually what happened. Um, so basically there's this thing when you're trying to learn a script and this applies to rituals too uh where we were taught very early on if you're going to memorize something it's hard to remember your lines if you just sit down and try to remember 20 lines or the prompt for whatever whatever the guy that says something before you you're trying to remember just the last couple words of his and then you try to remember yours but then it's like you know you're memorizing 500 things and it's difficult uh, so one thing that really helps is starting where you know. And this kind of goes back to the flashcards idea. To start off your memorization where you already know. And break it down into digestible pieces. And building on that. So if my lines were, I don't know. Let's use uh, Lesser Banishing Ritual of Pentagram, for example. Let's say I'm doing the Kabbalistic Cross and I can't remember what all the things are in the Kabbalistic Cross. So the, the, the beginning lines of the Kabbalistic Cross are... Ata, Malkuth, Vigabuda, Vigadula, Leolam, Amen. Let's say I can't remember all that. Or, I mean, there's a whole ritual to break down as well. But let's say I can't remember that. Um, I, I can remember Ata. Maybe I, you know, Ata, I don't know. There's something, Mel, something. Okay. Ata, Mel, what is it? Mel, Malkuth. Okay, Ata, Malkuth. Okay, and then start over again. Ata, Malkuth, I remember Malkuth. Vigabura. Okay. Ata Malkuth Vigabura Viga something. Ata Malkuth Vigabura Vigadula. Vigadula. And instead of going Vigadula Leilam, start back at the beginning again. Ata Malkuth Vigabura Vigadula Leilam. The way that you're building on a foundation that you have already built in your psychology allows you to attach more information to it break it into digestible pieces, and start at the beginning every single time. This also works for Rubik's Cubes. There's this thing with Rubik's Cubes, and I'm sure a lot of people have probably been exposed to Rubik's Cube at some point. There is a method to solving them, and it involves a lot of memorization. When you solve them, uh, there are certain patterns, they call them algorithms, where there's like these specific 15 moves that if you do them all in conjunction might move one piece from here to here without disrupting the rest of the cube and so you have to memorize all those and they're very very complicated and uh, what I usually suggest if people want to learn how to do that is the same thing start where you know just do the first piece just do in this case it's the white cross it's the very first couple of pieces then do the first piece and then the second piece which in this case would be the the corners on the white side so you start up and then mix it all up do it all over again just the first, then the second, right after the first. Now learn the third. Now mix it all up again. Go back. One, two, three, four. Good. All the way back. One, two, three, four, five. Build on what you already know in digestible pieces. Uh, with Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram, there's another way that you can kind of break this down. So, for example, um, there is different sections throughout the ritual. Instead of trying to memorize the whole thing all at once, break it into digestible pieces. You have the part where you do the Kabbalistic cross in the opener and the closer. Then you have the part where you 
draw the pentagrams. Then you have the part where you bring in the angels. Then you have the part where you make a declaration. Then you have the part where you do the Kabbalistic cross again. Cut it up into dividable pieces. Memorize one of them by starting with the small digestible bit of that that you can. Build on what you know. Make your way to the next one. That's going to help a lot. There's another thing that comes into play when it comes to learning a script and in like a play and learning ceremonial ritual magic, which is uh, there's going to be this thing called blocking. It's a word that means the movements and positions and postures that you find yourself in. Uh, in a play, they use the word blocking to mean like, hey, enter stage left, move to the center of the stage. When so-and-so says this, turn around, look shocked, raise your hands up. Those kind of things are blocking, right? Uh, so it's the stuff other than the words that you say, if that makes sense. It's the motions and the positions and those kinds of things. Uh, that uses a different part of your brain than memorizing lists of words. It uses a part of your brain called kinesthetic memory. Now, kinesthetic memory has to do with the memory of kinesthetic motion. It has to do with you, you moving your body. Your brain is absolutely terrible at remembering a list of words. And it's even fucking worse at remembering uh, numbers, abstract things like numbers. But you know what it's really, really good at? Really good at remembering body positions, really good at remembering images, and it's really, really good at remembering positions within three-dimensional space, like the rooms of your house. Think about it. If I were to hold up 50 different flashcards of something abstract, like the color orange, and they're all just slightly different oranges. And I said, here, take a look at all of these different colors of orange. This is the one you're going to have you find in the deck later. And then we took all those cards away from you. We mixed them all up. And I drew a card and said, hey, is this the color orange? And you'd be like, fuck, it's an orange. I don't know. I think it had more red in it than that. It's, it's probably not that one. Okay. And then we just went through the whole deck. You probably wouldn't remember it because it's a very abstract, weird thing for a very, very specific, very small, minute change. Same thing with numbers. If we took, uh, I don't know, a 40-digit number and we wrote a bunch of flashcards with 40-digit numbers on them and we held those all up to you and had you select one and then we're like, okay, you're going to find that number later. You have a couple of seconds to look at it. Great. Mix up the deck. Start flipping through it. You're not going to remember that. It's a very abstract, weird thing. But with kinesthetic memory, your memory is very attuned to it. It's really, really good at that. And it's part of the reason is because you evolved in order to learn how to do things, right? Your brain needed to learn how to physically move and adapt to strange situations of creating tools and learning new jobs and uh, finding food in the wilderness and those kinds of things. How do you skin a deer? How do you, you know, how do you program an internet? <laughs> you know, the, your physical body motions are much easier to memorize. So we use this method called kinesthetic memory in order to learn the, the lines in a ritual. First, learn the body movements. It helps a lot. Okay, I know that, you know, the first thing I do is I step towards the east. It's always towards the east, right? Start facing towards the east. And then I know that I, uh, I, I take one step with specifically my left foot and then I uh, move my arm to this position and then I draw a star in this shape and and then I do this with my arms, and then uh, I bend over and do this, and, and I say something, and then I move on to the next one. 
You can remember those. Those are easy to remember, right? But now that you've laid a framework for the kinesthetic memory, it's easier for you to attach words to it. So now you can go, hey, you know when I do that thing where I like bend over towards the star that I just drew? When I do that, I say this word and do it. Bend over. You know, physically move your body and say the word out loud. And eventually you'll start to associate the movement with that word. And it'll really, really, really help. Um, so that's how kinesthetic memory can be used in order to learn a play or the lines in a ritual. Because you're attaching an idea onto something that is concrete and easy for your brain to process as opposed to something that it is not easy for it to process and, and attach onto. Um, and then you'd use that, those other tools. You'd also use the starting from where you know, breaking it up into chunks that are viable. Uh, another method of memory that uh, kind of goes down this same idea is we, we talked about it a little bit. We talked about how images stick in your mind better. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Your brain developed in order to, uh, well, at some point throughout your ancestors' history, you were hunter-gatherer, right? And there's a lot, a lot of information as to how language developed and the psychology developed in order to be a hunter-gatherer for an incredibly long period of time. Um, because of that, your brain is much better at remembering a place and an image, patterns like that, than it is something like a person's name. So like, for example, uh, let's say you met a person and his name was Trey Barker, right? Um, you meet him one time, you see him face to face, you part ways, six months later, you see him on the street and you're like, oh, hey, it's, uh, what is it, Tony, Tony, uh, is it bark but big what is uh, it's nice to see you again man i know i've had that experience a lot how many people have said to themselves or others i never forget a face i i always remember someone's face i'm just terrible with names this trick is going to get you past that <laughs> so the reason why is because a name is an abstract concept and an image is really easy to remember really easy to remember. So the next time you meet someone and their name is Trey Baker, let's use Trey Baker as an example. Um, I think I said Barker in the first example, but either way, we can do either way. I'm going to say Baker for this one. Uh, you can picture that person when you meet them and you shake their hand for the first time. They're like, hi, my name is Trey. Oh, nice to meet you, Trey. Trey, what's your last name, Trey? Oh, it's Baker. Picture that person that you're talking to, no matter how ridiculous it would be, especially if it would be ridiculous. That actually helps you memorize it a little bit better. Picture that person in a baker's outfit, like a chef's hat, like a tall white chef's hat, and he's holding a tray of cookies, right? Because his name is Trey. He's got a tray of cookies, and he's a baker, right? You picture him as a baker, and you'll never forget Trey Baker's name after that. That's all it'll take. It's just that one half second of associating his name with an image. Uh, as another example, Ken Smith. Let's say you meet somebody and his name is Ken Smith. It doesn't necessarily have to be an exact, like Trey, his name was Trey, okay? But Ken kind of sounds like can. It's pretty close. Ken, can. Okay, I can, I can remember that. So if I met somebody named Ken Smith, I would picture him as a can 
like one of those metal cans, of anvils or nails or, I don't know, some kind of blacksmithing thing. And that would help me to remember his name is Can Smith. So you can kind of stray your image a little bit away from and you'll remember that person's that person's name. Okay? Um, try it right now. Remember Ken Smith. That's his name. You don't even have a person's face to attach to this idea. But I bet you you can remember. At the end of the episode, I'm going to ask you what the person's name was. And you'll remember that it's a can of anvils. His name is Ken Smith. Um, this also works really well for uh, foreign languages, which is definitely going to come up the more that you do ceremonial ritual magic. Eventually, you'll be saying shit in a language that you probably don't even know. Two things really help here. Number one, learn that little bit of that language. You don't necessarily have to read the whole language, but at least those words, know what each one of them means and the basic sentence structure so that you can kind of, uh, you know, break it into something that's meaningful for you. That's going to make a really big difference. Abstract, weird things that are not meaningful, you're never going to remember them. But if I know Ata Malkuth means unto thee the kingdom, you know, it's a little bit easier for me to remember because I know what I'm saying. But then there's also this trick that has to do with how sometimes one word will sound like another word. And we make an image for that, that thing. So we're talking still about image memory. Image memory is very powerful. And uh, in this case, uh, the Dutch word for rock is steen. Uh, spelled S-T-E-E-N. So that's the Dutch word for rock. That's just an example that I picked out of a hat. Um, it sounds a lot like the word stain. Steen, stain, stain. You can understand that, right? So you can remember the Dutch word for rock by, re by thinking of someone spilling a glass of wine on a rock and it like leaves a stain. So they, so come up with a kind of a silly image. Maybe the rock falls on their foot and they, ow, right? The funnier the image, the more abstract, not abstract, the more hilarious of an image that you can come up with, the more that it will stick in your brain. Uh, but think about this Dutchman. He's sitting there drinking a glass of wine. A rock falls down, breaks his foot. He screams. As he screams, the, the wine falls out of his glass, lands on his pants, leaving a stain, and lands on the rock, leaving a stain. And... Now you will always remember the Dutch word for rock is stain. S-T-E-E-N. But, yep. So that's, that's a really powerful thing. I'm going to ask you that one as well. At the end of the episode, I'm going to ask you what the Dutch word for rock is. And you're going to remember. So these are some of the ones that work immediately. Um, image memory is a powerful, powerful tool. And so if, even if you can just find something that kind of rhymes with it or kind of reminds you of it, uh, it's a lot easier to remember things in image form than it will ever be in word form. Um, another tool you've probably heard of um, is the pneumatic device. We've probably all been exposed at some point to pneumatic devices. Pneumatic devices are where they have like that silly phrase, that silly little poem, and each of the first letter is the same, and so it's easy to remember. Like, For example, uh, in math, You'll learn uh, PEMDAS. Uh, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, or please... Uh, I don't remember the other ones. There are other versions of it, but it basically is parentheses, exponents, uh, multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. And so PEMDAS 
is the uh, the mnemonic device for memorizing in what order should you do math if you come across an equation and you're not sure if you should add the symbols together first or if you should multiply them first or if you should use the exponents first. So they say, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. There's another one with um, pizza. I can't remember. It's something, something sausage. I don't, I don't remember what the actual PEMDAS thing is. It's ironic that we're talking about me not remembering a mnemonic device, but I always use please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. That's why. Um, so with a situation like that, you're taking some string of information, parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. And then you're taking the first letter off of each one, P-E-M-D-A-S. And then uh, you're coming up with a different, easier to remember, silly kind of situation, silly phrase. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Another one is if you're trying to remember the compass, trying to remember if you go clockwise around a compass, you start at the top. And you're trying to remember north, east, south, and west, right? They say, never eat shredded wheat or never eat soggy waffles. That's another mnemonic device. So you would have uh, never north, eat east, shredded south, wheat west. That's a mnemonic device. Never eat shredded wheat. Um, we could also do things like try to memorize certain symbols. So like we're talking about a cult ship. The star, uh, the pentagram, has a different elemental association at each corner, right? Each one of the points has a different element that's associated with that. And it'll come in handy to know that. And over years and years and years of doing it over and over and over again, you'll remember it right off the top of your head. It's fine. But until then, why not make a mnemonic device, right? So the one that I just came up with for this example is if you start at the top and you go around clockwise, you have spirit, you have water, you have fire, you have earth and you have air in that order, going around each point, starting at the top point, going around it clockwise. So the pneumatic device that I came up with for S W F E A, I came up with two of them. Uh, send white foxes everything asked. So I just picture like some white foxes and they're demand. They have like a list of demands. You know, they've got like a I don't know. The, there's this white foxes and they're like kidnappers. And we've just decided we're going to send them everything they asked for because I, they're going to, you know, they're going to return whatever person we're trying to get if we just send them the, the $100 and also, I don't know, maybe they have some weird demands as well. So it's easy to remember, send white foxes, everything asked. But it's really hard to remember sometimes, uh, you know, spirit, water, fire, earth, air in that order, right? But we can take the S, W, F, E, A. The other one I came up with was saints without fat eat anything. So I picture like an old saint that's like starving himself. They're doing like the ascetic practice where they're like, you know, like Buddha did it at one point. A lot of the Catholic monks did it at various points throughout history. Christ, Jesus Christ starves himself in the desert for 40 days. Those kind of things. So I picture like a saint, you know, whatever traditional image comes to mind, it's all good. And then without fat, because he's just starving himself. He, he's just skin and bone. Uh, you know, just you can see his ribs through his shirt kind of thing. Uh, and he'll eat anything because he's just starving. I mean, if you walk up to him and you're like, hey, dude, do you want this kind of food? He will take it. So saints without fat eat anything. So you build that mental image based on the pneumatic device. And you're going to remember. Now, the elements in their order is probably something 
a lot of people listening already know. If, if not, awesome. Now you have two pneumatic devices. Pick whichever sillier to you, and you'll definitely remember it. Uh, but if that's not the case, you know, if you already know it, that's fine too. I'm going to double check with you at the end of this episode. This is, you know, the pneumatic device for the elements. So you'll be able to figure it out. Um, this next technique, this is where it gets cool. This is where we start to use different techniques. This first one is going to work as soon as you know it. And the ones that follow after it are going to take some work. But this is where it starts to get really cool, where you're definitely like, man, that's almost superhuman ability to remember things. We're not just using regular everyday flashcards and pneumatic devices. Now we're talking about the cool way that you can trick your brain into associating information into something it will remember. So I'm going to read off a list of words. There's 15 words. They're not, they're all nouns. They're not really related to each other. What I want you to do is I'm going to read one. I'll pause for a second. I'll read the next one. I'll pause for a second. I'll get all the way through the list. And then I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to try to remember it as best as you can. And then try to recite as many of them as possible in order, starting from the first one. Um, if you miss one in the middle, then all the ones after it are wrong because you forgot one. Therefore, that one's not the fifth word. It's the sixth word. You got it wrong. Even if you remember a bunch of them. Try to remember as many of these words as possible in the order that they're presented. Okay? This one's just a benchmark. We're just trying to say, okay, how does this work? Where are you usually at before you use this technique? Then after we've done that, we're going to show you a technique. And the technique is going to enable you to remember, hopefully, the entire list. Definitely more than you remembered the first time. But hopefully, it's enough to remember the entire list. 15 words. Here we go. River. City, belt, like a man's belt on his pants, uh, mask, hand, calendar, skull, axe, wheel, stone, wire, Lion, heart, lighter, bead. Okay, so that's the entire list. So what I want you to do is try to see how many of those you can remember. I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. Just try to get through. Count on one. Count on your fingers. However many you can remember. And then I'll read them off a little bit quicker just to see if you can keep up. So if I were to guess, and if you needed more time, go ahead and pause this. That's fine. If I were to guess, you probably got five to seven. Generally, that's where a lot of people are, myself included. Uh, I think the first time that I ever tried this, I was reading a book that was teaching me how to do that. We'll talk about that book a little bit later because they have some other techniques I'm not going to cover in the episode. And I think they're fantastic. So definitely worth spending some time. Uh, but in the book, they left like a spot for you to write down, you know, what your score was. And uh, I think the first time I ever tried this, I got like four. 
you know, like I was not skilled at remembering a long list of random words. It's very complicated. Especially if somebody sits here and, you know, talks to me and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, definitely not something I was very skilled at. But they report generally about five to seven is, is a pretty standard number. Uh, there's 15 words there. He probably didn't, I would assume you didn't get a lot of them. If you did, great job. You know, maybe you don't need these tools as much as you thought you did. Maybe you're a lot better at this than you, than you, than you believe. Um, so the technique we're going to use this time, oh, and I'm going to read them off really quick. So it was river, city, belt, mask, hand, calendar, skull, axe, wheel, stone, wire, lion, heart, lighter, bead. So hopefully you got a lot of them. I'd love to hear scores. If somebody wants to uh, email me, let me know what you originally got and what you got after applying this technique. I would love to hear that people are either benefiting or maybe maybe they're not benefiting. Maybe I want to hear that I need to step up my game and teach you a cooler trick or two. <laughs> I'd be down for that too. So you can reach out to the show at whitewoodpodcast.com. There's an email address, which is nate at whitewoodpodcast.com. And tell me how you did. Um, so the method we're going to use is called the link method. We're going to take the list of words. You're going to link them together in twos in order to make some kind of a funny or interesting image in your mind. And we're going to tap into that image memory that we were talking about earlier. And the way that we're going to do that is by having some kind of an interesting pattern created, some image it's easier to remember. So I'm going to use a different set of words. The reason I'm going to use a different, well, I'm going to use that set of words for the example. But when we're actually doing this, uh, I'm going to use a different set of words so that you don't feel as if, oh, I've already heard these words. It, he tricked me. Anything like that. It's a whole new set of 15 words. It's the same length, but really similar kind of thing. They're all going to be nouns uh, and um, about as related as those words were to each other. So it gives you kind of an idea of what we're going to do. But using the old example, uh, you'd take two words and link them together. So uh, the first two were river and city. So you can picture like a vast, beautiful city that's sitting next to a river. Or if you want to get weird with it so that it's easier to remember, picture like maybe like a cartoon where everybody's like an animated river and they're like, you know, going about their daily life. Like they're like a waterfall or like a river kind of thing. They got like pants on and they're going about driving their car river cars and they're, you know. And there's like a whole city of them, you know. Just picture this whole city of those types of people, right? And then you're going to take the next two. So you're going to take the one that was the second one was city and the third word was belt so it would be city belt so you'd start off river city then you'd be city belt come up with an image for that so city belt would be something like i don't know maybe there's you're like tying your pants together and the belt buckle is like an entire city you can remember city belt and then you're gonna come up with an image for belt and then the next word belt and mask so Maybe uh, <laughs> the image that came to mind for belt and mask was like a like a BDSM gimp mask. Like, you know, they have those leather straps on the back and that's what came to mind. So maybe that helps you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you come up with a different uh, belt mask. So it's easy to remember a river city, you know, a city of those river people. It's easy to remember city belt. It's easy to remember belt mask. Right. And you just start working through it that way. So that's how I would link each word to the one before it, come up with an image for each one of those, okay? 
Now I'm gonna, um, and and then as you're reciting it, you basically just go through those images. So you would say, okay, river, city, city, belt, belt, mask. You can kind of remember it in that way. So I'm gonna give you another list of 15. And also, these are gonna be available on the website. So on the website, I always have show notes for this specific episode. Uh, you can find this episode if you want. There's gonna be a couple of lists of this. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you don't have time for this right now, but you wanna kind of hear how I would do this. Maybe you don't wanna to have to dig all the way through the episode in order to find those lists in order to test yourself. I'm gonna put them up on the website in the show notes. So those are available for you. Uh, or maybe you wanted to, I don't know, go back over and make sure you had the list correctly, those kind of things. Um, so the new list that we're gonna use the link method is chair, bowl, pipe, salt, tree, fire, window, spaceship, flashlight, chessboard, skeleton, hammer, boat, leg, hat. So you're going to use the linking method for all of those. And at the end of the episode, I'm not even going to test you right now. At the end of the episode, I'm going to ask you to recite that. And you let me know if you can, how many of those you can actually remember after all that time as we continue to pack your brain full of new and interesting ideas. <laughs> we'll see how many you get. Hopefully it's more than what you started with. Let's say you started with uh, five without a technique. Hopefully we can get you to 10. Uh, if you're skilled at this, we might get you all the way to 15. First time I ever tried this, I got all the way done with uh, just one pass through the words. So it's definitely a powerful tool. Um, so speaking, I mentioned a book uh, and this method, this next method, it comes directly from that book. I have found it to be very, very interesting. Um, but this one takes a little bit of work. You have to kind of like lay a framework for this one in order for it to, to function. And so it can be a little frustrating because you're like, oh, Nate, you said that I was going to be able to memorize this stuff and I can't even remember this framework. That's fine, man. Here's what's going to happen, right? The more work that you put into memorizing this framework, the less work you have to put into memorizing, in this case, it's going to be long strings of numbers later, okay? So uh, you'll work over time with this framework in order to memorize it. And when you're first getting started, it totally works that you cheat. I'll give you a mnemonic device for this one. And then you can, you know, write it down on a piece of paper and you can use this one kind of in a more structured way on a piece of paper, come back to it, revisit it on a regular basis. But then eventually it'll unlock the ability for you to remember numbers. And remember, numbers are really, really complicated things, right? Remember how we were talking about how abstract they are and the brain just can't hold on to them. I would say numbers are, and differences in colors are probably the two most complicated things to memorize. I've never seen somebody with a method for memorizing colors, but 
numbers you can definitely do. We can teach you very long strings of numbers. And as an example, we're going to use a fake credit card number. It's not an actual credit card number. At least I don't think it is. I, I just came up with these numbers. I really apologize if I put your credit card information onto this. Man, wouldn't that be? You want to talk about magic. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> I revealed your credit card. Oh, man, that would, that would be hilarious. No, as far as I know, it's a fake credit card number. Um, so basically, what we're going to do is this method called the peg method called the peg method because it's kind of like sticking a peg into one of those like idea boards right and it comes from a book called memory mastery by harry lorraine i'll have a link to his book in the uh, show notes and I've, i think it's a fantastic book it was written if i remember correctly it was written somewhere in the 60s and uh i think early 60s if i remember correctly and his his book kind of goes over like a whole bunch of different methods. Some of them are kind of convoluted and very intense, and some of them are really straightforward and easy. This one I just find useful because it does take some work to lay it out, but once you've laid it out, you can remember 15, 20, 100 digit numbers, uh, which is a complicated thing to do. So as an example, we're gonna we're gonna have a fake credit card number that we'll have you memorize. Okay, the more you work with this one, the easier this one becomes. So what we're gonna do first is we're gonna have our one through zero. So the numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero in that order. We're gonna associate each one of those with a specific letter of the alphabet or a couple of letters of the alphabet. Sounds that sound similar are going to be paired up on one single letter. So like Z and S, S, Z, very similar noises. Or K and G, K, J. You can see how those are going to be really similar noises. So uh, they're going to be on the, like the same letter if they're really similar. Basically, we're just going to associate some consonants. None of them are vowels. That's on purpose. Because you're going to fill in the vowels in order to make them less nonsensical words. Okay? And uh, the mnemonic device for remembering which letter is which number is 10 more logic fibs. So the number 1 is T. The number... 2 is N, 10, T, N, right? The letter 3 is M. The letter 4 is R. The letter 5 is L. The letter 6 is J or SH. J, SH, those kind of things. I know the word logic is spelled with a G, but it's a J sound. Logic, it's not logic. Um, so K, obviously, is the last one. Logic. K. Uh, and then Fibs. F or V is number eight. The number nine is B or P. And the number zero is S or Z. So if you were to read straight through one through 10, it would say T, N, T, N, M, R, L, J, K, F, B, S. So it'd spell out kind of without the vowels, it would spell out 10 more logic fibs. Okay? So that's the idea. This one's going to be weirdly abstract. You're going to have to work to memorize those 10 numbers to those 10 letters or sounds. It's really closer to sounds because some of them are doubled up. Again, we're going to post that list uh, to the website because I know that that's a really hard thing as we're just reading through it to memorize. You're totally fine. I don't expect you to have this one by the end of the episode. I expect you to understand the framework for which you could do it. Um, you don't necessarily have to memorize those specific sounds to those specific letters either. It really helps to have consonants be the ones that you associate to the numbers, but you could totally make up your own associations. It's fine. It doesn't matter. 
these, this is just an option to show you how it works, right? Um, but you could, you don't have to use these ones. You can make up your own sounds. And basically the way you would work with these is as you're running around town, you see a number and you just kind of break it down into a word really quickly. So you like see a number that's like, I don't know, 12, for example, it'd be T and then N, right? Cause it's the one and then the two. So it'd be 10, 10. Okay. I can remember that 10 or one and three could be Tom, you know, cause it's the T and then the M Tom. Okay. And then maybe, uh, the letter, I don't know, let's say 65. Uh, so it would be either J L or S H L depending on how you want to do it. Uh, so maybe I remember that it's like a shoal or a shawl. Yeah. Shawl is probably an easier image for me. So one of those, like, you know, grandma's wearing a shawl. So you can see how a number, if you associate each one of the letters can later become into a word, which can be an image. And it sounds like, oh man, you're making me memorize this step so that I can memorize that step so I can memorize that step. That's going to take so long. This is going to happen in your brain in a fraction of a second by the time you get it down. And uh, the amount of work that you're going to put into memorizing these 10 letters is going to be significantly less than every number you ever need to memorize for the rest of your life. Because that's what we're doing. We're giving you a framework to make memorization easier. You will have to memorize the framework, but it's way easier to memorize that framework. You can have that done by the end of the day. Right. And just keep working with it as you, you know, you get better at it over time. As you drive around town, you see an address, turn it into a word really quick. Right. Come up with a funny image for that word. And try to remember that number later. Okay. Um, when you're first learning this one, it really helps. Take a piece of paper, write down one through zero, write down 10 more logic fibs. Uh, and then you have like a, a piece of note paper to be able to translate back and forth in between the number and the letter. It helps a lot. Eventually, you'll be able to do it in your head. So the number that we're going to use for this case, in order to make sure we all understand how to use it, is uh, this is the credit card number that I made up. This is not a real credit card number. It's sure as hell not my credit card number. <laughs> uh, the number is 4574-2577-2534-5548. So that would become... If we transferred those numbers into letters using this system, that would become R L K R N L K K N L M R L L R F. That's also kind of hard to remember, but now that we've broken it down, we can add some vowels in between. So R L K R R so roll. Okay, it kind of sounds like roll care. R-L-K-R. -R. It's a K sound. I know it's not a C, but it's a K sound. So roll care. I can remember the first four letters of that credit card number as roll care. So now I need like an image for roll care. And what I pictured was like a fat baby being rolled around by the babysitter. You know, like you're getting care, but they're rolling you around because you're such a fat little baby. So roll care. And then N-L-K-K. I picked null cook, null is a, so it's NL, null, and then KK, k, k, had to put some vowel in between so it's, so you don't forget, so it's cook, right? So I pictured uh, null is like a digital word that means there's nothing there, and it often causes errors. It often causes problems when there's a null value. Uh, so I pictured a kitchen 
that has no cook in it. There's n there's null cook, right? But because of that, everything's like glitching. So it's like, you know, digital ones and zeros are spilling out of the pot and those kind of things. Null cook. All right, it's creating that error of there's not a cook. Um, and then NLMR. So NLMR is null more. Well, I didn't want to use null twice because that would be confusing for me. So I used nail, nail more. And so I pictured like a carpenter and he's being yelled at by his boss because he's not nailing enough boards together. So he needs to nail more. Why aren't you nailing more things together? So NLMR, nail more. And then the last one was LLRF. So if you put vowels in there, the funny one that I came up with is Lil Reef. So LL, Lil, RF, Reef. So I pictured like a rapper. He's like an ocean-themed rapper. Maybe he's like a, I don't know, like a mermaid or something. He's like wearing like a coral reef necklace. You know, he's all blinged out with like coral reefs and shells and stuff. He's Lil Reef. <laughs> so those are the things that I used to remember. So roll care, null cook, nail more, little reef. Okay. So it's impossible to remember. I mean, uh, it's not impossible. If you have a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, photographic memory. If you have a photographic memory, it's uh, probably possible that you remember the number. The number was 4574-2577-2534-5548. You could probably remember that if you have photographic memory. But if you don't, can you remember Roll Care, Null Cook, Nail More, Little Reef? Maybe you come up with a story about a little baby that's being rolled around by his daycare. And they rolled him into the kitchen and found that the cook wasn't there. And it was causing all these weird reality glitches where like ones and zeros are popping out. As the glitching happened... Uh, you know, some somebody outside starts yelling and they're yelling at the carpenter, the apprentice carpenter, like, why the hell aren't you nailing more? You need to nail more. And then, you know, on the radio playing at the job site is Little Reef, the mermaid-themed rapper. <laughs> okay, I can remember that. I remember that for sure. But I sure as hell can't remember 4574257725345548. And so by being able to remember R L K R N L K K N L M R L L R F. I can take that huge number, break it down. Now those 16 digits are memorizable. Okay. Uh, this is one the more often that you use transferring numbers into letters and letters back into numbers, the easier it's going to be on your brain. It will literally hit the point where it's as normal as remembering anything else. So, for example, uh, if you've ever paid attention, you might realize that numbers and letters are abstract concepts. They're just shapes. They are meaningless. But you can read an entire book of just the same 26 characters, you know, splotched next to each other over and over and over again. Uh, and they have, like, meaning and pictures and images arise in your mind. And it's because you've worked with those and you know to associate that letter and that sound and your brain can do the transfer from the letter to the sound. The same thing is true about the more that you spend some time transferring a number into a letter. So you can absolutely cross those wires in your brain, and it will become quick as quick as reading. And then it's really easy to remember a 16-digit number based on whatever word it turns into. So I'm going to ask at the end of this episode, 
I'm not going to ask you to remember the number itself because I recognize that it's going to take some time for you to learn the peg method. Remember, 10 more logic fibs. That's how you, numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and then 0. 10 more logic fibs. So it's going to take you time to remember that. But it's not going to take you time to remember the images that we turned it into. So I'm going to ask that at the end. And then if you were to take the time to write it down on a piece of paper and transfer it over, you would be able to remember that credit card number that we made up. Um, okay, that is the PEG method. That, again, came from a book called Memory Mastery uh, by Harry Lorraine. And we'll have a link to that on the website. Um, another powerful, powerful, powerful method. This is the method that we use for memorizing cards. Um, it, it also works for lists of people or long paragraphs, like if you have like a character that's monologuing or maybe you're doing ritual magic and you're learning the Gnostic Mass and you want to remember all of the different saints that are on the list. Or um, really, I use it for all sorts of stuff. Um, this is the method that I used in that business meeting that I was talking about where we were at the like, Halloween party or Christmas party or whatever the fuck. And uh, yeah, this is the method that I use for that. Mental palace. It's called a mental palace. You're basically going to have a 3D... It needs to be a place that you can picture in three dimensions. I strongly suggest using your house. You know your house inside and out. There's already a mental image for it in your mind, right? I know that if I open this door that's closed right now, I know what's going to be on the other side of the door. It's going to be the hallway, right? And I know what part of the hallway. And I know that if I turn left and I open up that door, I'm going to be in this other part of the hallway. And then I'll find this particular room, right? I already know. I already have a 3D image of that place. It doesn't have to be your house. Uh, in fact, it could be a fictional place. It doesn't even have to be a real place. The important part is that you can picture in high definition a 3D image of the place. So let's say you like to play video games. Maybe you don't, it doesn't even have to be like virtual reality or anything. Let's say you just like to play, I don't know, any kind of a video game. Uh, and your character in that video game has like a home base and you know that home base. You can picture that home base. You could draw out where everything is in that base. And you could like on a piece of paper, you could do like a top down view and say, yeah, the, the building is shaped this way and this room leads to this room. and and on the table there's these three items and then there's a chair here and there's if you can do that with the fictional place you could totally use it it'll work fine the point is we're going to use the association of some 3d space and the objects that we need so we're going to turn the words into images and we're going to place them in that 3d space and the way we do this with memorizing cards is we Start off with your house, because your house is probably going to work just fine. And start in one spot. It really helps to pick a very remote spot of your house, like maybe the, like the far end of your garage. And just as many places as you can possibly come up with in between, uh, within the house, you're going to just kind of have them listed out in order. So maybe next to your trash can, and then maybe there's a power outlet, and you can picture like, I don't know, somebody standing working on the power outlet and then maybe there's like a, a switchboard box you know like what do they call those the fuse box maybe there's like a fuse box next to the power outlet and so that's three spots right there there's the trash can the power outlet and the fuse box and then maybe there's i don't know a chair that sits out there uh so maybe you can picture like that chair is one of the locations so you just work through your whole house 
right? It'll have an order to it. You always want to think of it as going from this one to this one to this one to this one. Um, there, there will be a, a defined order. And one thing that can really help is, let's say you have a room that has a lot of those types of positions in it. For example, my kitchen is connected to my living room. Um, and I also want to use the hallway and the rest of the house. So I can go along one wall and pick all the locations and scoop through the kitchen and then the other side of the kitchen and then that would lead me to the other side of the living room and I can kind of follow through a path that way. And so what you can do is you can say, okay, so there's the spot in my, my garage and then there's the spot here and then the next spot and then we get into the living room and there's the front door and then you've got this painting and this painting and this painting that are on the wall. And you can use those as spots too. They're, it's interesting the way that it works. It doesn't have to be a physical spot that a physical person could sit in. But if you know I have these three paintings on the wall, you could use the inside of that painting as one of those places that exist in three dimensions. Uh, so like think like Harry Potter paintings and the way that like, you know, there's like a world in there or whatever. Just think of each one of those paintings as a potential spot to place an idea. So then we're going to take whatever the thing is, we're going to place them in those spots. And the way that this hijacks your brain is that it, uh, it, it utilizes that part of the hunter-gatherer brain that we were talking about for remembering where something's at. So like, for example, if I don't need deer right now because I just killed a deer, but I just saw a deer over here by this lake, and we know that in a couple of days I'm going to need to find this spot, my brain has evolved in order to find this spot again. Or if you're a gatherer for your tribe, and you are collecting up raspberries, and you brought home enough raspberries, but then you're like, man, we could sure use more raspberries in three days. Where were those raspberries that I found? Your brain is really good at remembering geospatial locations, like uh, where something is at. It's really good at that. So you just need an image. We already talked about image memory. And you need a place to put it. And that's how we're going to hijack your, your memory. This is going to work excellently. This is how we memorize decks of cards. For the example of the decks of cards, we associate each one of the cards with something. And that's the memorization part that I have to put work into. And then I have to have locations around the house that are like assigned slots around the house in a specific order. And uh, I'm going to place whatever the image I've associated with that card into that particular position and then move on to the next one same thing and if you do this you can literally memorize a deck of cards in one single pass um, so the hard work is how do you associate the entire deck of cards with something so something that helps me is I split it into four um, you could use the peg method if you'd like peg method works great so that peg method we were talking about with uh, one through zero you could have um, hearts, clubs, spades, and diamonds. And you could say that means the letter H, C, S, or D is going to be the first letter. And then the, uh, the second letter is going to be whatever number it is. So like an ace of hearts would be H1. So it would be H and then the, the, the letter T. That would be the, the, the word hat. And I could remember a hat. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to just take the four things split into four categories and say, hey, people, animal, inanimate objects, and landmarks. I'm going to remember those four things. I'm going to come up with, I don't actually know how many are in a deck of cards. What is it, 10 plus 4? 
9 plus 4. I think it's 13. I think it's 13 to a suit. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It's all good. Um, so I can remember 13 different people and associating each one of those with, an, with you know one of the cards. Break it down into digestible bits, just like you do with the flashcards. Right? This is where the work comes in. This is where it becomes complicated. And then uh, once I have those all memorized and I can remember which one is which, then in order to memorize the deck of cards, I just have to place that symbol into that particular spot. So let's say Albert Einstein was the person that I picked for whatever card. It doesn't matter. And the location was the first location. So it's in my example, it was the trash can that's in the garage. right? And so I can picture Albert Einstein putting away trash in my trash can. And then next to him is the next card. And let's say the next card was, I don't know, let's say it's an inanimate object, and the inanimate object was a boat. So I can picture, and the weirder you get with it, the easier it is to remember. You don't want to go too mundane with it. So I'm going to picture like a boat like pouring out of the electrical outlet. That's my second position. And then let's say the third card I associated with, I don't know, an animal. And the animal was a cat. And the cat is working on the fuse box. He's like dressed as an electrician. And he's like working on the fuse box. Okay, I can remember those, right? You can get all the way through 52. If you have 52 locations that you can figure out in your house, and I bet you you can, um, then you can associate symbols into each one of those spots. This really helped me when I was working on the Gnostic Mass because the Gnostic Mass has a part for the deacon where uh, the Gnostic Mass is a, is a ritual in the OTO, in the Thelemic world, um, that uh, acts as kind of our central public and private ritual. Uh, it's, a, it's a Eucharist ritual, similar to like Catholic Mass, where they have like a sacrament, uh, similar concept. Um, in there, the deacon has this part where he just lists off a whole bunch of different saints because he's like invoking the energy of each one of these different saints into the space. And it's a long list. Uh, there's 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 a shorter list and a longer list. The shorter list is for regular occasions, and if you're doing like something special, like a wedding or a funeral, those kind of things, you would do a longer list. The shorter list is 22 people long, and the longer list is 72 long. It's a very very long list of people, and there are people throughout history that have all you know done different things. And uh, I memorized it in a single pass through the information. And the way that I did that was using this method, this mental palace method. I had from memorizing decks of cards already had associated 52 spots in my house and I've since added some little cubby holes and corners and things like that that have helped me to expand that beyond just 52. Um, but um, basically having a basic idea of what each one of these characters could look like, I placed them at different spots in my house. And so now I can remember them and I can remember them backwards. And that's what gets really weird is that once you memorize how to do this with the mental palace method, they're, they're in positions in the house, which means your brain is using spatial information. You don't have to memorize them backwards. The fact that you memorized them by putting them into positions in your, in your space means that they already can be viewed backwards because you can just think about, okay, well, the last position was my bathroom shower, right? So I can go to the bathroom shower and think about, okay, well, the one just before him is this person, the one before him is this person. And you can remember all of them in order, going backwards instead of forwards, or skipping every other, or skipping every three, or any way that you can mix up the information, you can totally recite it. You can 
because it's not stored as a list in your brain. It's stored as items within three-dimensional space. And that's what's going to help you to, to kind of hack the system and remember things that are very, very long and complicated very, very quickly. Um, there is this thing in a lot of magical communities that gets used for this exact purpose. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a three-dimensional space, as you could also work with two-dimensional symbols. And it's easier to remember things in a two-dimensional symbol than it is to remember... As long as you can draw the symbol from memory, it's easier to remember that, than it is to just list off all these things. So there's this system called the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. And it falls into this category for a lot of people, but it has an added advantage. So there's a shape to it. So you can arrange the occult concepts geometrically, and that tricks your brain into memorizing them very, very quickly. And the more different things that you throw into this Kabbalistic Tree of Life, the more things that you can attach onto it that really kind of helps. So there's like a shape to it. There's like a set of spheres. They're all drawn together with different lines, and as long as you can draw all those lines from memory, you can associate each one of these ideas into one of these different places on this geometric shape. Um, this is how occultists often use it. I'm not saying that's the. I'm not saying it's limited to just this use. I'm saying this is one of the ways that it gets used is for memory. And uh, one of the things that becomes very interesting, the added advantage, is that y you can start to become aware of other concepts and how they all relate to each other, because. If I throw one thing on this one spot and I throw something else in that one spot, they're kind of related in a way. Abstractly, this one type of energy kind of relates through that correspondence. So like, for example, if there's a specific color and there's a specific animal and there's a specific plant and there's a specific behavior that all go on that one spot on the Kabbalistic tree, I can start to think abstractly about that energy and start to have a relationship with it. But... Uh, the an example is like the tarot, right? Like uh, people will like throw a tarot card onto a specific position. There's like a set. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, there's a fantastic book written by Alistair Crowley called Seven 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 and Other Kabbalistic. Is it other Kabbalistic writings? Yeah, written by Alistair Crowley. And if I remember correctly, it was released by Regardi, not Crowley, but it's a fantastic set of uh, correspondence tables, and. It's doing basically what we're talking about here, where you have animals and you'll throw a bunch of different animals onto different spots. And then plants, you throw a bunch of different plants into different spots and those kinds of things. They start to build abstract symbols in your mind that exist beyond just um, the basics and start to exist in these more abstract ways so you can build relationships with these energies. But it only works because you know, you're attaching this into memory and one of the things about memory is that it works really, really good for geometric arranged information and really, really good for images. And it doesn't work really, really good for, you know, a list of uh, horoscopes and shit like that. Because those are just words until you start attaching ideas to them. And um, so that's one of the ways that a Kabbalistic Tree of Life is very, very similar. It's kind of like a filing cabinet that gets used for occult concepts. But then the added advantage is that once they're all on there, you can kind of see how all these things are related and you get a better picture and relationship with that energy. Hopefully that made sense. It's very, very similar to Mental Palace or mind mapping, those kind of things. Very, very similar. 
Uh, but it is kind of its own thing. And don't feel like that's the only way to do it either. Uh, smaller symbols work too. So like an example would be like like a smaller symbol, like um, especially if like the ritual is based around a specific intended symbol. It really works to do this. It can be a little difficult uh, if you're like memorizing a ritual uh, with a symbol that is not supposed to be in the, there because then you're bringing in your own psychological interpretation of that image consciously or subconsciously into the ritual and that can become a problem. Um, but if it's like an intended thing, like the pentagram, for example, it makes a lot of sense to uh, to remember which corner of the pentagram is which thing. And uh, that can be like a visual cue for you to remember. So like, for example, the, the top would be a, like a specific thing. I don't want to I don't want to spoil it because in a moment we're going to start asking the questions <laughs> that we had you memorize. So actually, I suppose this is it's time. Yeah. So the elements, in order, what were they? Do you remember the mnemonic device that we used in order to uh, arrange the information? There's a specific mnemonic device. There was two of them. And that should tell you, starting from the top point, going clockwise around the pentagram, which point is associated with what. And what it, the mnemonic device that we had was, send white foxes everything asked, or... Saints without fat eat anything. So it was spirit, water, fire, earth, air. In that order. Right. Um, let's see, what was another mnemonic device? So, okay, so that was the mnemonic devices that we started with. Um, what was the person's name? There was a person. We were talking about image memory and how a specific person we were going to ask at the end. There was, there was actually two that we used in examples. The second one in examples is the one, I bet you you remember both of them, don't you? Uh, the second one is the one that I said, remember this one because we're going to come back to it. There was a name of a person. And the image was a can of anvils. Because his name was Ken Smith. Okay. And uh, so that's, that's two of the things. Uh, there was uh, the Dutch word for rock. There's another language. There's a Dutch word for rock. Is what? Stain. Yep. So the S-T-E-E-N. Sounds a lot like stain. We remembered that by a person dropping a rock on their foot and spilling the wine on themselves and leaving a stain and also on the rock. All right. Um, here's the list. This is not the benchmark list. This is the second list, the list of linked words. This one's gonna, I'm gonna go slower on this one because I know that it's gonna take a little bit longer uh, for people to recite it. Um, so there was the first image and then you're gonna have to go to the second image. You're gonna have to go the second and then the third and then the third and then the fourth. So the first word was chair. And then bowl, and then pipe, and then salt, and then tree, fire, window, 
spaceship flashlight chessboard skeleton hammer boat leg hat how many did you get was it more than the first time when you did the benchmark because remember the benchmark words were river city belt mask hand calendar skull axe wheel stone wire lion heart lighter and bead and that was before we taught you how to link things together um how many of those ones did you remember versus the second list that was using the linking method right hopefully a lot more i would bet that at least one of the people listening got the entire list just after being told how to link somebody out there got the entire list i know i did the first time i tried so it's a powerful powerful tool linking the images okay um what was another one the peg method the peg method was for memorizing numbers I don't expect you to be able to transfer numbers back and forth yet. But I bet you you could remember the words to remember the number if you wanted to work it out on paper. So there was a credit card number. The credit card number, I won't tell you until after in case you want to do it the hard way. But the words to remember each four letters of the credit card number was roll care. Null Cook, Nailmore, Lil Reef. So that was R L K R, Roll Care, N L K K, Null Cook, N L M R, Nailmore, L L R F, Lil Reef. And if you were to transfer that back into numbers, it would become 4574 2577. Two five three four, five five four eight. So, that is uh, that one. Um, and then, in order to switch, in order to translate the peg method, I gave you a mnemonic device. The mnemonic device was for changing the letter, or the numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then zero, into specific letters of the alphabet or specific sounds, right? And there was a mnemonic device for that, so that you didn't always have to... What was it? Let's see if you remember that one. It was 10 more logic fibs. So it was T-N-M-R-L-J-K-F-B-S. That's the list down the line. And again, you can make your own. You don't have to use specifically that one. It'll totally work. So, um, how did you do did you remember more than you thought you would? Hopefully, you uh, really can take a lot of this to heart and uh, like really memorize a bunch of shit all at once. It's incredible um, the way that your your brain, once you start turning the information into the types of information your brain is good at holding on to, instead of trying to memorize the things your brain is bad at holding on to. It's incredible how much more you'll actually remember. So uh, I really hope that this has been a beneficial episode. I hope that even though it wasn't really like strictly occult shit that we were talking about, I hope that it was something where maybe this can influence your practice. And if not, 
maybe at least it influences your life, you know. Uh, anyway, good luck. And I will have all of those on the website so that if you wanted to look at your work and maybe you're in a situation where you can't, uh, you could definitely see. Also, I want to say, because someone is going to pour over this, uh, there's no secrets in the, uh, in the random words and numbers and letters and those kind of things. Um, I did consider putting some Easter eggs into the episode, but I also didn't want to, I don't know, drive somebody crazy. <laughs> like they felt like they were like receiving fucking, I don't know, messages or some shit. So, uh, there's not, uh, the, the very fact that I brought it up that there's not might encourage someone to go look at it. And I'm sorry if that's the case, because the intention was very much to, uh, free you from, the hours of pouring over nonsense and trying to think of, you know, uh, but I wanted to make sure that I brought it up. There's in all of those numbers and letters and words, there is nothing secret. Uh, if I ever do an episode about like cryptography or secret messages or those kind of things, I'll tell you that they're in there, uh, because I think it's fun to dig through them. But, uh, in this case, there weren't any, so Anyway, have a great day, and uh, I hope it benefits you. Thanks for listening to the Whitewood Podcast. This show is made possible by our Patreon members. You can find us on Twitter at Whitewood Show and on Facebook at Whitewood Podcast. For links to all our social media and information about our Patreon, visit us at whitewoodpodcast.com.